Hello and welcome to So Good We Named It, the first Golden Girls and Golden Palace podcast and the first Golden Girls or Golden Palace podcast, to my knowledge, with black hosts. Hopefully you cannot hear what I think is a tin can rolling down the alley outside of the window, but we're going to keep going. Um, I'm Barrett. Kay will be joining us shortly. She went back to work today. I'm still off because I'm deathly ill, so she'll be coming in just a moment. But we have a very extra special image consultant and co-host with us today, the Stan Zimmerman. Thank you so much for joining us. And he's wearing Thank you for having me. I love that I follow a tin can. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an act to follow. Um, but he's wearing a starring Beatrice Arthur shirt, which he already agreed to off camera to send to me. Okay. Um, Isn't it uh, interesting that it's Beatrice Arthur? It's it is. Bigger. I guess that's her stage name. Um, that is her stage name, and she's stuck to it. Yeah. I mean, I think it has a little more pizzazz than Bernice Frankel, personally. Yes. But Oh, is that Amazon uh, ringing the bell? Why is everyone making noise when I'm trying to record? Oh, because I sent you something. That, that, oh, that, is that, that what it is? Well, somebody better let them in. I'm busy. But um, I need that shirt. I need your uh, sweatshirt you had on. And I also need Lenny Green's uh, Letterman's Golden Girls jacket. So if I can just get everyone to send these things to me. Wow, um, you're very needy, aren't you? I, I need, you see this shrine. I need as much in this shrine as possible. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you all have done your estate planning, but just think of me when it comes to anything Golden Girls related. Just well, everything say, to go right to you, I should call my lawyer and I, say, I mean, send I, it right there. That's what I think. I have very valuable items here. I was thinking the other day, what if the house burned down? How would I get all the Golden Girls out? I mean, the cats, they can figure it out, but that that's a priority. Uh, for, for those that don't know, you were a writer for season one. Yes, I was. And... You know, for those that haven't seen him, I, I was like, what, you, what were you, a toddler when you were writing this? So I said, let me see how old this guy is. I could find nothing. You have had, I guess from the authority of the governor, had that information removed because I was very yes. interested and found Ron nothing. DeSantis has been on it. He's banned books in my age. Yeah, there you go. Well, shout out to him. But um, I <laughs> no assume... No shout outs to him. Oh, no, no. shout outs. No shout outs. No, um, not I, to him. No, I, I was you very were lucky young, to have though. this job at a very young age. And it was the second job that we had. And... Um, second staff job but the i mean the first one shall go remain nameless um unless we really get into it but uh, golden girls was obviously the very first big big show and the first hit we ever had and you know anybody's lucky to be on one hit show but i've been so fortunate to have been on three um and kind of like ending up being iconic shows in as far as television well, as someone who went to school for TV writing and production, for me, it was just, um, well, I need a degree for something, and that's something I like to do, so why not? I don't know if I thought I'd really write for a show. Apparently not, because I'm not doing it. But for, as someone that did it and did it young, how did you just end up at the Golden Girls? I took a left turn on Gower. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, well, I mean, we can go way, way back to I grew up in Detroit. And I had a very active imagination. I was not a reader, so I didn't think I could be a writer. And my English class, I did not get good grades because I wasn't very flowery and I didn't use a lot of adjectives. And I kind of got to the point, not realizing years later that was actually an attribute for writing for television because you only have so many minutes and so many pages to write. And you had to be 
uh, really concise. And um, so I was not thinking I'd be a writer, but I was going to be an actor. And I pursued that and I auditioned to get into NYU drama undergrad and luckily got in there um, at a young age and um, met my writing partner um, through a friend in the dorm, Jim Berg. And we started writing in between classes and after school jobs and we both were obsessed with television. I was super obsessed. I was such a nerd that I created my own TV network in my bedroom as kids tend to do. Of course. And I literally scheduled seven days a week against the other networks. And I had one of those uh, scheduling boards. And if I loved a certain performer actor, I gave them their own show. I loved Lily Tomlin because she was from Detroit. So I felt I did not want to wait uh, every year to, for her TV specials. I think she deserved her own hour show, which I put on Friday nights at 10 o'clock. And um, I got to tell her that years later that she <laughs> was on my kids network. Um, and, uh, so it was just kind of a natural thing that I would end up out here and doing this. And, um, so I was tired of being poor in New York. And so I told my writing partner, we had written a bunch of spec scripts and we got one noticed by, uh, a man named Gary Keeper at Paramount and he kind of became our mentor. And then luckily my writing partner followed me out here a couple months later and we started going to TV tapings for free because we couldn't afford to go to dinners or movies. And one of the tapings we went to was the show Cheers. And that was the spec script that we wrote for that show that kind of launched our careers. It just was a perfect match for us as far as uh, the genre and just the uh, the sound of the show. It was very real. It was uh, smart jokes, uh, very character oriented. It wasn't at that time, there were a lot of shows in the Gary Marshall camp that were like Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days, which were more gag oriented and, and we were more um, character. And, um, you know, I think it was the fourth spec script we wrote and that was the one that was just like <laughs> exploded. And suddenly I went from working at the Vista movie theater to uh, having a office on the lot in Culver City at a studio on a TV show and we never looked back. And we worked really hard keeping that momentum going. Well, for those that aren't in the biz like you and I, uh, a spec script is basically a script um, where you kind of write an episode for a show that already exists. And, for free. <laughs> yeah, and I know back in the day, they yeah. would send them out there. Is that still a thing? Can you still just send a script to a show now? Yes. Uh, no, you can't send it to a show because it has to come through an agent because they're afraid of being sued. Um, back in the day, you wanted to write a, sh a script for a show that it was in existence to show that you could write for existing characters. Now people uh, actually read more pilot scripts, which are new scripts. Um, I think what I like to do when I'm staffing shows is to see both. I think that they have to have an original voice, but if you it's a very different craft to recreate other people's sounds. If you can't do that, you're not going to last on staff. So it was very interesting for us to um, hear little things that like, um, you know, when Norm would come into the, the bar in Cheers and be like, hey, Norm, it was all in there. Are you okay? I'll survive. We'll push through. It's fine. We'll push through. Push through. Um, hearing just a very specific sound and the words that they chose, we could mimic that. And that was very that was a very important craft to have, and I think that's why we kept getting 
on different staffs. And, you know, for many, many years, we would get offered two or three jobs per season um, and obviously made some of the wrong choices and mm-hmm. made some of the right choices as well. Well, I personally don't write anymore, really, because why? Um, why not? I'm like, well, nobody's going to see it. This is so hilarious, so great, so I can that. never. That's not finish. true anymore. And right now is a perfect time. Everybody is looking for new voices, and um, you have a new voice, and you should be exploring that and, and figure out what you want to say. Not to push you, but I do teach sitcom pilot writing classes. I started it over COVID. Somebody twisted my arm, and then I made the mistake of posting about it. And and now I've done 14 different classes, and it's in three different sections, pitching, uh, outlining, and writing of act one, uh, with months off in between. And then we have, a because I have like nine students, I allow is the top number. It becomes all on Zoom because of COVID. And so it's writers from all over the world. Literally, I had a guy from Australia who got up at five in the morning to be in class. And so it's almost like a mock uh, table. A mm. uh, table is the, what we call a bunch of crazy writers sitting around a table at all hours of the night, um, laughing and joking and being rude and uh, and fixing scripts and pitching ideas. Mm. I might have to sign up for that. Hopefully there's some nepotism and I get an A+. Plus. But yeah, um, we'll I, I would, I would probably benefit from it, and you know, maybe figure out what to do with all of you know these old scripts. I know in high school I wrote a script based on our school for some assignment, and people started asking me for copies, and I'm printing them out and handing them around. Who knows where that is now? But um, before we get into that show, was Saved by the Bell. Well, it could have been or Good Morning Miss Bliss. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a TV nerd. And um, before we get to Golden Girls, I looked at your IMDb and I was shocked to see some of the shows that you worked on that I have seen that maybe others haven't because I love obscure television. But I used to watch Rita Rocks on Lifetime. I did. I did with Nicole Sullivan, Tisha Campbell. Tisha Campbell Martin is a goddess, I just have to say. So, first of all, this will all be in a book. Uh, So, I. I'm writing a book called The Girls from Golden to Gilmore, mm. and it's about all the wonderful women I've worked with and Roseanne. <laughs> and it's uh, coming out through Indigo River Publishing, hopefully at the end of the year. So Rita Rocks came about because we loved uh, American Idol and we loved Roseanne. So we kind of mixed those genres of music and The Housewife. And it's about a woman who was lost her identity because she was used to be the cool chick and suddenly she became a mom with a, with a dented Durango and two children and a dog and living in the suburbs and she wanted to be cool again. So she gets down her old guitar and she starts a garage band uh, with her male lady, Tisha Campbell Martin and uh, unemployed guy next door and her very cute uh, boyfriend of her daughter. Now you'll never guess who the three women we took to the network for the Part of the male lady that Tisha got, who the other two were. You want to guess? Were they black? Can I narrow it down to that at least? You can narrow it down to that. Um, I will say Tashina Arno and Sherry Shepard. No. So Sherry did have a show that same season that Rita Rocks was on. And I watched that too. Uh, Yeah, and she's become a friend and just a wonderful person. She did a reading of my play Meet and Greet. I met her in New York. Very happy for her new show, but... I have so many questions about Wendy Williams, but that's Let's a whole nother. <laughs> that's a whole nother. Um, anyway, Jasmine Guy. Really? And get this one. Are you sitting down? I think so. Octavia Spencer. Wow. How do you like that? 
How do you pick from those three? And um, Octavia is someone else that I saw in so many things before she, you know, skyrocketed. I remember I saw her on Moesha, Ugly Betty. And it's like, you never know. Looking back, the person with one line is the one with the Oscar. And the people who starred in the show, nobody knows who they are anymore. She is one of the sweetest people. And she, if I email her asking her if she'll, you know, do something, it's always a no. But she will email <laughs> back in 20 minutes. And I think that just says so much about her that she just cares and is sensitive about other people. And um, because she actually started uh, as an assistant for a casting director friend of mine, and she just was worked really hard at it. And she kept doing parts and parts and parts and parts. And uh, I think that's why there's so much love in this town for her, because she's just one of, one of the good eggs. Definitely. And with uh, Rita Rocks, I was upset when it was canceled and I felt like Nicole. So are we. Nicole, they, you're probably uh, more than me, but Nicole yeah, and I mean, Tisha. We got two seasons out of it, which was, yeah. we were really lucky, but they just didn't know, Lifetime didn't know what to do with the comedy and they didn't realize what they had. And even though they said after the pot, we made the pilot, they said, there's a feeling like these people have been doing this for like three years. I said, you don't understand because you've never done a, a sitcom that's unusual that's uh you know lightning in a bottle you grab that and run with it and we were really lucky and, and nicole sullivan is a comic genius and just her and uh so tisha hadn't been recording for years and so i got to go into a recording studio with tisha campbell martin like every other week and we would just make it up i mean she would go in there let me try this let me do that and i would i would always be the one to get the assignment i'm going to the studio with them and we would go record these little, you know, like minute, two minute pieces of famous songs. And um, she just, I mean, Nicole and I were just like, our jaws would drop to hear Tisha just so easily do these riffs. And I kept saying, you've got to record another album. You've got to be on Broadway. You've got to be singing again. You're just, she's so talented and so lovely. And I would do anything for that woman. Well, I'm going to change.org for the Rita Rocks reboot. I'm going to get that started. Um, well, actually, we're talking about turning it into a musical theater piece. Well, there you go. There you go. So when, when uh, but I was thinking, like, it would be fun to do a reboot with actually Tisha as Rita. Well, something, because they have not had a show recently that has stayed on very long. And I think it's ridiculous because they're so hilarious and talented. But, you know, people can't appreciate a woman of a certain age in this business. Maybe that's what it is. Well, it's very true. I was doing a play of mine about two women of a certain age in North Carolina. And we had a talk back after and the women were actually in tears saying, you don't know what it's like for us to see ourselves on stage. And no one is is addressing that or giving us voice. And that just really hit me that this was more than a comedy play. This was actually touching someone in the heart and it just made me want to do more to get that play up and going. Well, I um, have a few other programs of yours that I, yes, programs. That I watched. Um, yeah. I Fame? also... Did you watch Fame? Did I watch what? Fame? I did not watch Fame. I see that's on your IMDb. I, you know... Anna Jackson, get... her first music I'm video. I'm familiar with it, but I didn't watch it. I did watch a little bit of Something Wilder not that long oh. ago, oh oddly enough. Um, I don't know how I ended up watching that. I like to watch old shows that I've never heard of on YouTube. Um, and I like Gene Wilder, and I see you were on there. Um, yeah, we kept that? wanting to be fired from that, but we couldn't. 
was it raising our our credit and giving us more to do uh gene took a liking to us and he saw you know that we were the real deal and we honored him and i mean i was obviously as a young kid i just thought he was such a comic genius and this was was interesting because but he smelled like baby powder that was really (laughs) if you got up real close um and the interesting thing is because he was known as a physical comedian, but sitcoms are very verbal. And I remember he came to the writers room. He says, I wish you guys could like come up with a scene where I didn't have to talk. And mm. then he left the room and was thinking, but Gene, it's a sitcom. You have to talk. And then we came, I said, no, 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 we, we'll figure it out. So we thought that he had to go to the dentist. He hated dentists and the hygienist or whoever gives the Novocaine. But she was she was so nervous that she actually doesn't do his he does mouth and then his leg and then his arm. Oh, so he couldn't talk. He was like, and he was like very physical and it was so hysterical. And it was just I like situations like that where you you have like a little sandbox you have to play in and how can you be creative within that? And that's well, what TV is. Look for that one. You you're dealing with network sensors and things you can't do, you know, like like the lesbian kiss on Roseanne. We couldn't do it. We were told it was never going to air. And so it's fun to kind of push the envelope a little bit. And that was in an era where I felt like every celebrity, they gave them a sitcom. Bette Midler, Gina Davis, Gregory Hines. And none of them lasted, despite the fact that they were all, you know, major stars. I guess that was just a, a thing that was in Hollywood at that time. Maybe they'll bring it back and give some more random people shows. But speaking well, of... It's interesting, um, it's interesting they do mm-hmm. talk about the TV uh, invent stars. They... You know, but the TV industry thinks if you are a star, that'll draw you to it. But when you think of people didn't know Ted Danson and Shelley Long, True. all the people, you know, Roseanne, Tim Allen. I mean, they all were invented by television and television is such a powerful medium that I wish. You know, yes, it's fun to see a Bette Midler in a TV show, but uh, I miss the days when they would find new comics or new actors and put them into shows. Well, they can put me in one. I'm ready to go. I act, I sing, well, I dance. I'm a triple threat. you need to write your own show. True. Um, maybe I will do that. Um, I mean, I had my YouTube channel for 15 years, but I feel like I need to expand beyond that. Um, I'm sure you have an interesting story somewhere in there. I have plenty. So maybe okay. uh, I need to write them down now. Um, yeah. And you said you, you will save the best for last before Golden Girls, of course. Uh, Roseanne, who apparently is bringing you know, her, herself back with the new show. Are you writing for the new show or did you just write for that um, original one? We did not end, uh, uh, not not amicably. So when we got hired on staff, so we turned down the show the first season before it was on the air. They offered us a staff job. And I don't know why we said no. I think... The commitment they wanted was so long and none of the other actors had been cast. I had loved her. The minute I saw her on The Tonight Show, I called my agent and I said, this Roseanne Barr person, can you get us a meeting with her? And our agent said, um, no one will ever make a show with someone that looks like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's no longer our agent. <laughs> um, and uh, so then it came around again in that season and we we're very happy, but it was a very fraught year. It was the last year that Tom and Roseanne were together and they split up that year. And even though Tom had picked up our option for the next year, um, she wanted to get rid of everybody that had anything to do with Tom. And my writing partner did not want to sue, even though we would have had grounds because technically he called their agents and said their option is picked up. 
uh, he with my writing partner was ready to just do something else um, oh. I would have liked to have stayed I just love that show I liked that it told real stories and dealt with uh, you know situations especially economically in the middle class that we just didn't see in television since Norman Lear yeah. and I, I love that seeing that struggle and that sometimes the show was really funny and other times it was actually very sad. Um, interestingly, I went to um, Moscow in 2015 uh, through Sony to create, help them create a Russian Roseanne. <laughs> and that was oh. really interesting. And they kept saying, why can't you make it funnier? It should be funnier and more jokey. And I said, no, that's the whole point of that series was that it felt like more like real life. You know, and and um, it wasn't joke, joke, joke. Did that ever make it to air? No, uh, we couldn't find the Roseanne. I mean, I found some ladies. So when I got there, I said, uh, you know, I'll go to every stand-up comedy club in in Russia. You know, because that's how they found Roseanne. And they said, oh, we don't have comedy clubs here. Well, you should. Um, so then I started going to theater. Like I went to the Moscow Art Theater where Stanislavski created method acting. And I saw some great actresses and they were like, oh, we don't want to do television. So it's a whole different mentality there. Um, I did find some really cool ladies and we filmed uh, a couple of screen tests, but the network never liked who we, they could never settle on anybody. I mean, those are some tough shoes to fill. Well, you should have got, I think it was, Russia might have been German. I know it was a foreign Golden Girls, and one of them, the Dorothy, looks just like Roseanne. You should have got that lady. Oh well, too late now. I don't think you want to do it at this point. No, they did do uh, gold. No, I don't think I'd want to go back right now to Moscow. For years, I did. I met great people. I went on dates there. I I had a great time, even though when I went over, I was scared to death, and it was uh, it was a real culture shock. But I, you know, I'm a runner, so I would do my morning runs through Red Square, and that was super cool. Um, they have great uh, hats, really great hats, so with the hats. fur and everything. I'm not a hat person, really? but uh, it was interesting, and I, I can understand more now because I, I have friends that are still there, and when all this happened with Ukraine, I was texting and saying, are you okay? And are you getting the information? Do you know what's really happening? And a bunch of them, you know, the ones that were gay, got out of there. They somehow were able to get out of the country and um, went to other places and had to start a life. And some of them had to leave everything and had their bank accounts frozen. Can you imagine that? Yikes. Welcome, Kay. You you came right in the middle of our uh, political conversation. There we go. Yes. Um, it's going to be so good we named it on CNN. Uh, but as you see, we're with our old pal, Stan. The man, Zimmerman, and we were just talking about uh, the work you did on Roseanne. I do want to ask, do you watch The Cunners? No, I did at the beginning, and I was actually posting about it, and people were like very excited about my commentary, because um, what I used to like about Roseanne was that it remembered, like it was real life, it remembered past mm -hmm. experiences. And then they just started like, oh, Jackie didn't have a baby, and all these right. things. And, and Jerry so, Garcia, where the hell is he? He's on an oil rig, allegedly. Yeah, everyone's on an oil rig or on, or on Ambien. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, when that whole thing went down with the, you know, when she was fired, I was asked to go on CNN. You can Google that and, and Brooke Baldwin and talk about that catastrophe. And I had a very specific point of view of it in that I felt, um, I wish she had grabbed the moment to talk about 
if she didn't know that Valor was black, learn about it. If you didn't know why it was a, could be offensive to somebody, learn about it, talk about it. I, that's my whole thing is talk. Um, when the whole thing with Whoopi Goldberg recently, you know, got suspended because uh -huh. of, of the race uh, subject, I was asked to go on uh, Ashley Banfield's show. And it's like, she doesn't have to apologize for anything. She gave her view from where she is in her life right now. The show is called The View. And that's her that's her view. And we can talk about, I can't under, you know fully understand because I didn't live in her shoes. She can't fully understand me as a Jewish person knowing about the talk about the master race. But she literally went to Jewish Defense League, got somebody, brought him on the air, and had started having the discussion and they still banned her for two weeks. Like if someone is that open to starting the discussion, why are we punishing them? I just didn't understand that. So I was very much team whoopee. And you know, that, that was all that insanity. And so my whole theme is like, we need to have those messy discussions. Kay's going, I thought we were talking about the Golden Girls. This is supposed to be fun. Here for it all. We'll, we'll yeah. get to that. But, but you know what? The Golden Girls got into some stuff and they weren't afraid to get into it, whether exactly. it was suicide or all the stuff in dementia. And that's what I loved about that. And that's what I loved about Roseanne. And I, I just wish she had taken that opportunity to not blame Ambient or other people and just say, even if she just said, I fucked up, I screwed up, or, you know, sometimes comics, we go over the line or like explain where I explain it to me or like, let's have the discussion about it. I think that is the only way we can all move forward as a society mm -hmm. together. It's just, it's crazy. Well, allegedly, I just saw that she asked, could she go on The View the next day to try to explain herself and they wouldn't let her. So now that I know that, I felt like, well, if they had let her go on there, then maybe they didn't have to kill her off. But I kind of like it better without her, and it's I really? that um, I, I do. I liked the original Roseanne, but I didn't like Roseanne in the reboot. I felt like she wasn't the same Roseanne, and mm -hmm. I felt like they've kind of moved along nicely. I know a lot of shows will kill people, and it's kind of like, what the hell? But I think they did it in a good way. It is kind of um, interesting that Katie Segal re replaced her because they wanted Roseanne to play Peg Bundy, so I guess it kind of went full circle a little bit. But And I um, wanted... Uh, Katie Segal to be Rita Rocks. Really? And there was a minute and a half, you know, she sings her ass off. You know, I she could used to see do that. Backup. She used to do backup for Bette Midler. I she was one of the harlots. Yeah. And uh, she wanted to do it for a second, and then I think she got talked out of it. But uh, And then we also had Cindy Lauper was going to do it. Can really? you imagine that? That would have been interesting. That would have been, yes, to hear her sing. I mean, we probably would have had to switch it from a Detroit suburb to New Jersey or something. But, um, uh, yeah, I love Kate Spell. I think she's just, just so talented in so many different ways. And I wish they hadn't canceled the show she just had on ABC. I don't remember what it was called. It was not on long enough for me to read the full title. But she was, uh, it was kind of like Erin Brockovich, I think, and she was just yeah, kicking people's actually, asses. Actually, Erin Brockovich was involved um, as a producer. But, again, you know, if it was up to me, most shows would be on the air for 10 years. But everything I like, I don't even want to like it. Because I'm like, well, if I like it, it'll be gone soon. So what's the point? Uh, what What is your opinion on that before I get to the Golden Girls about how they don't give shows a chance now? You get like two episodes. Um, they're very trigger happy. You know, they, it's a, it's a bottom line. They want money. And if people aren't watching, they're not. And when you think about shows like Seinfeld, Cheers, those all started at the bottom of the rating. Exactly. You know, Golden Girls started, you know, around 15 and kept building, but it started up high. And um, yeah, I think people's attention span is just, they don't, they, you know, it, it's, it's now or never kind of thing. 
It's so sad. But <laughs> pivoting back to Golden Girls, for those of you listening, this is about the Golden Girls, but as a TV nerd, I have my TV encyclopedias over here I used to read as a kid. I have to ask these questions, and you all can listen to it. And if you don't want to do that, I'll put a timestamp for when we start talking about the Golden Girls. But anyway, you were on the Golden Girls for only one season. Why would you leave the world's greatest show? You gotta read the book and find out. You gotta make us mm-hmm. wait. We don't get a, an exclusive. At yeah, so I'll good we named back, it. I'll come back on and do another one. Okay. Another book, okay. So, so we'll, we'll wait um, for you the know, book. It, it was politics, and it was really silly. And um, you know, I, I mean, I can conjecture because no one's gonna say it out loud. I think there's probably some homophobia involved. Mm-hmm. I think you know when you get the egos of some straight white men, you know. That's what happens, and uh, that was that's part of the business, and I've I've had to accept it, and uh, you know I can only be bitter for so long, and then you <laughs> take those moments, and how can I be a better person? And um, well, you look know, at you now. But... Look at me now. I'm in a Beatrice Arthur T-shirt, and I'm talking to the two beautiful people that I met at Golden Con. Isn't it amazing? Like I've had so many people say like. They keep seeing articles. It keeps growing. It's it just it, it was just a very it, it was so much love there. Quite an it? experience. Unfortunately, we're in none of these articles. But um, <laughs> right, yes, it, it was. You uh, need a better something. publicist next time, or a publicist. Right? Period. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it, it was it was really just surreal to be in the room with writers and actors from a show that I've been obsessed with for years like my funeral will be golden girls theme like this is a it's a thing so i'm very you know still getting over it because i had covid i didn't really get to process so i'm still riding the high from that among other things and it's legal in our state don't judge us anyone listening don't judge me who are you to judge me? exactly but um legal in this state too see well there you go you're in la right maybe that's where i should move so i can uh, make it big and still get high <laughs> uh, but I uh, read recently doing my research that um, you all were told to stay in the closet, which is odd because it's such a gay show and there was a gay main character. So who the hell cares? Like, what was the reasoning? Uh, It was a different time. And uh, we were told by our agents that you don't talk about your personal life if you want to stay on staff there. It was it was, again, very straight. Um world i guess i would think um, it that would be the one show where it wouldn't be like you would think and uh mark cherry who did uh desperate housewives and he was a writer on golden girls later on he's been very sweet about acknowledging me and jim being not only there were two of us together two gay guys on staff there and um you know we weren't pushing any agenda we were just telling real stories and um it was it was kind of sad um, because I wanted to you know when you're at work like any normal job you just yeah. talk about what happened this what did you do this weekend oh mm-hmm. where did you go last night oh my god I had a date or I went to this bar and I met so and so or I'm in love or I hate that person and we couldn't talk about any of that and so how does I didn't realize when I started writing my book how that was kind of a theme of it like as an artist how can you be truly creative when you're holding back such an important part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing that we were able to, through these women, still be honest, and then to see the trajectory of our careers in in conjunction with um, Hollywood opening up and us being, I think we were the first 
comedy writing team, we got asked if we would uh, be in a newspaper article with our pictures. And we were like, told, don't do that. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't fucking care anymore. I was like, this is who I am. And we did. And then for it to go to something like Roseanne, when I think we got hired because we were gay. And then Tom Arnold is running around the halls going, where are my gay guys? Where are my gay guys? And like, mm-hmm. I mean, he would, you know, we would have a lawsuit if that was happening today. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm but, surprised uh, you don't have more gay shows, I guess, on your IMDb. I mean, Polly, I did watch that too. Wasn't, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't um, the gayest of shows. What we, we wrote Brothers was a Showtime gay show. Um, you know, and if you've done your research, we've been trying to get this Silver Foxes show, which is started at Logo. They hired us to write a gay man's Golden Girls. And we wrote it, and before we handed it in, I thought, because I'm in theater, we do play readings. So I said, let's do a reading in my living room. And I cold called George Takei and Leslie Jordan. I didn't know them from anybody. And I just said, hi, here's who I am, here's the show. And they're like, we'll be there. And I'm like, oh, fuck, they're gonna be at my house. And we got Sherry <laughs> Curry from SNL and Melissa Peterman from Reba. And- uh, Oh my God. Oh my gosh, and Bruce <laughs> Lance. Where's the show? I read about I that years like, ago. You have the show. Here's and I brought a producer from Rita Rocks. I said we can tell you the money. We don't have money to do it. Like, uh, okay. Let so me get my checkbook because I saw something about this before, and I was like, "Yeah, right. It's never going to come out." Because you get excited about the reboots and you hear nothing else. And I didn't know you or who you were at the time, but I remember that, and I was so ready. Well, it became a national, uh, international story because I. I was doing press for a web series I was doing, and I told the truth. We could not get one network or streaming company or cable company to open the script, to read the script, just read it. Wow. It was old people and it was gay people. Wow. We were told, well, it wasn't broad enough audience. I'm like, have you seen Golden Girls? Right. Audience for this? That would have been fabulous. That's like a universal audience. I would have watched it. Well, so I think you getting to know a little bit about me. I don't take no. I don't like sit down for that. Uh-huh. So I said, let's turn it into a play. Mm. And we just did. And we just did a reading upstairs here with Jim J. Bullock from Too Close for Comfort. Do you know him? Oh, I nice. am familiar with that show. Isn't that the one that the guy from Mary Tyler Moore was on, Ted? Yeah, at yeah. night. Uh, so, and I think we just got offered to do a world premiere in Dallas in march of 23 so both of you will be there and uh yes, we will. Yeah, so we're hoping that it becomes this play and that the networks will see the success of the play and go hmm. and then make it into is it the same cast um it's not the same cast oh. leslie jordan is too busy on the mayan bialik show to do call theater. me cat which i also watch i watch everything i also oh, watched him on yeah. the uh show with vicky lawrence too they got canceled I love a good one season show. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, but, he's such a sweetheart. And he's like, oh, I'd love to do your play, but it's just, it's a lot of work and I'm doing TV now. And it's, it's I'll do his part. Thing. I'm not on TV. Okay, there you go. Right, you, could there be we the go. Twink. you could be the twink. I don't think I'm in twink uh, territory anymore. You have to shave that. And, and diet. But, you know, I'll do what it takes to make it in the biz. But um, <laughs> it, it's good to know they're still working on it because I would love to see that. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's really going to help propel it. And, and people have been very responsive to 
like Golden Girls, it, not only there's so much humor, but there's so much humanity to it. And right. really, and and one of the reasons we wrote it is that we were told to watch this documentary called Gen Silent, and it's about how seniors of the LGBTQ community have to go back in the closet when they go into assisted living, which I knew mm. nothing about. So can you imagine your whole Yes. Can you imagine your whole life you work to come out of the closet and then you're like, you turn 60 and like, no, you can't, if you're in there with your lover, you can't touch them. You can't acknowledge them. But why? Why? Because a lot of these places are run by conservative groups and or older conservative people are there and they, they don't want to rock the community. I know. Isn't that insane? But you know what's crazy? A lot of people are gay. (laughs) They just don't. So I've heard. Don't say that. But like the people <laughs> who make the rules against to like the the negative rules or whatever against other gay people, they're gay too. They're just not open with it. So like the audacity, that's hypocrisy. Right. Yeah. The well, goal. welcome to uh, <laughs> the world today. You know? Oh God, that's um, terrible. So that's why we decided that the one character, the Leslie Jordan, the gayest man alive, he's got to butch it up. I love him. <laughs> his friends are like oh no 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 you got to be who you are you are a fabulous person and they get kicked out of the assisted living place and they move into their house in palm springs and that's why um so hopefully you'll be seeing it soon and you know like lucy nobody wanted to make the i love lucy show and have ricky be cast with desi arnaz because that was taboo then Mm. to have a latin husband so you know what she did she made a little play she took it on the road and it was so popular that the network's like, huh, well, all right, we'll give it a try. Right. So um, I'm stealing a little bit from Lucy to, to get this mm-hmm. show out there into the world. Well, hopefully you won't have the elderly doing uh, harmful stunts like in her last show before she uh-huh. passed, where she's like jumping off of ladders and she's 78. Um, hopefully you won't follow that path that she was on. But That was scary. Mm-hmm. I remember like seeing that, you know, when I was starting in the business and I'm like, don't put on a ladder. Oh my God. How'd they get insurance for that one? But um, I, I, I was thinking I should write a play recently and maybe I need to. That's how you get anywhere is writing a play. I don't know who's going to be in it or I'm going to pay for it. That's how Tyler Perry started too with all the plays. I used to go to his early, early, early plays and yeah. uh, I you know, drag my friends like Paul Rubens, you know, Pee Wee Herman. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would drag him to those plays. I just, they were so outrageous and funny. And um, uh, yeah, and look, and look at him now. Right. Right. And unlike him, everybody will have decent wigs when I have my Don't movies. shade him. Tyler, I'm, we're so I'm, <laughs> Come on the show, Tyler. We the We'd love to see when, you. When we first started, but it's but, okay. But, so you know, that, that is somebody that I kind of, you know, emulate in a, I know, in a way. I know, but the budgets on his TV shows are so low on those sitcoms he makes that literally when they shut the door, you see the walls shake. Mm-hmm. Like in yeah. a high school But Medea's hair is always on point. If anybody's is, it's Medea's. Well, that's where the money's As spent. it should be. Uh, but exactly. you know, I I kind of want to do that too. You know, write it myself, star in it, produce it. You know, because I'm a control freak. But that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. Um, Micromanager, <laughs> a little bit. Um, on Golden Girls, um, going like, yeah. I mean, she knows she knows what time it is. Um, on, on Golden Girls, I know you wrote that famous line from your mug. No, I will not have a nice day. Um, no, 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 no. I will not have a nice day. What other lines nice are day. yours specifically that are kind of iconic now? Um, uh, I haven't been in a position like that since I gave birth. Hmm. 
Mm. Um, um, or specific episodes? Well, the whole the flu, you know, the electrical appliance. I said that uh, the other day to someone. <laughs> well, you owe, you owe me 10 cents. Damn. <laughs> when she says, you know, about, uh, you know, how sick she is, but she can still look so good. That was also me. I guess I just steal all your, your lines all the time. Um, and then we can move on to Sure Jan, which has become like... Sure Jan. We say that all the time. That is uh, one of my favorite movies, actually. Um, the the Brady sequel, um, and they need to well, bring we, that we back wrote, too. We wrote both of them, and we want to do a series like on Hulu or Netflix, and we all three of the women from the show from the movie want to do it, and we we're calling it the Brady Ladies. And um, sure. Marsha, Jan, and and um, and Cindy moved to West Hollywood because uh, uh, the. One- <laughs> And living in today's West Hollywood, but still, you know, wearing clothes and living. I back would then. love that. Um, yeah. So be hysterical. Come on. Again. Yeah, for sure. Who, what is going on out there? They need me what in is charge. Going on? I've got a lot of stuff I want to do. Okay. If, do you have I, room for us? I would Put love us in it. something. Well, you <laughs> we can, we can be in the apartment doing a podcast from of Golden Girls next door. Uh, RuPaul, we want to be the superintendent of the building so that I would you can also say. Love that. And her daughter's Moesha, Moesha, Moesha. Yes. Would she still be Mrs. Cummings? Of course. Okay, just so making that sure. Good. That was my idea. And that uh, uppity white woman, Shelley Long, as Sophia would say, is she going to be in it? <laughs> well, she'll make a guest appearance. Okay. I, um, yes. I'm excited for this. Don't get me too excited because they never put anything out. Like the Designing Women reboot. They love announcing stuff and you never hear anything. Yeah. But please notify me personally if this gets picked up so I can be me, prepared be uh, yeah. to watch that. And um, hopefully you'll be something. I believe you said you were not affiliated with the Brady's in the White House one. Okay, no, good. We just did those two that movies. one I didn't care for as much, but Thank I still you. watched anyway because <laughs> I watch I watch everything. I watch the Brady Brides. I watch the Bradys in the '90s. I just love TV. So any reboot, whatever, I'm there, even if it's terrible. I watched the, the Murphy Brown one. Was, was really Betty Thomas, the director of the first Brady Bunch movie, and we were only hired for two weeks. And uh, she said, "You got to write it for three different groups of people: little kids that had never seen the show." Uh, their parents or people older that grew up on it and stoners and we're like <laughs> got all three especially the last one right and, um and we really wrote it and we went like out out of control and we couldn't change the set or who was in the scene but everything within that because they'd already blocked out what days they were shooting each scene mm-hmm. so she just say like okay you have you know reg and marcia whatever and this and we would come back with just the craziest shit. And she kept saying yes. Yeah, I watched <laughs> it not that yes. long ago. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I don't remember it being this outrageous, like, with Gene Smart's character. And then... Well, do you know what she said in there? Like, I would have a Brady sandwich. Like, you could never do that. Right. Today. Like, so much of that movie, I was like, oh, my God. I was a kid watching this. Where was my mother? Well, but... we wanted it to be a kid. It went over the heads of kids. And their parents right. were like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I can't believe they did that. So it was very innocent sounding. But yet it was... And I think that... You know, we didn't come up with the idea of the Brady's being stuck in time. That was already in the script before us. But we just we just went crazy with it. Like we added all those long stories that Mike Brady told. They didn't have any of that. You know, mm. we just we just we, we took each character, you know, and the whole and amplified them. Yes, and that was what was so fun. Probably the best, most fun we've had on any job. 
Well, to this day, I can't get on an escalator without wanting to sing Sunshine Day. So you did your job. Um, For those of us that are hardcore fans, I think it's pretty obvious if you're watching season one, not just from Blanche's hairdo, but the writing, the video work, which, you know, if you read Jim Colucci's book, Golden Girls Forever, you'll find out more about that. But it really does seem so different from the rest of the series. And having left after the first season, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, they did some beautiful work, but it did seem like they kept treading the same ground over and over. And I would, I would, I had to stop watching because it felt like they were doing versions of what we had done. And part of that, I think, was not their fault. It was um, a different uh, business model, whereas they wanted every show because it wasn't like now TV shows are serialized. They, they wanted that they could be in syndication. They could interchange mm-hmm. them. So they didn't have full real growth of character. And so I think that's why to me, it just felt repetitive. And I think that's why B. Arthur was like, what more can I, I've done it. I've done them all. What more can I say and do? Um, But in the first year we were discovering all of that. Like we didn't, we're like watching going, wait a minute, Rose tells these long stories. And that's why we did the diamond, the door handle thing very early on when you think about it, when she goes, Rose, that's how you tell a story. That we wrote that because we mm-hmm. her and then we were sitting around the room and going, coming up with these Saint Olaf and we came up with Saint Olaf. We were going through a phone book and looking through cities. No, how we landed on Saint Olaf. I remember, you know, where we were then, um, and then finding out that B. Arthur didn't need a line; she could just shoot a look, and that would get a huge laugh and yeah. save, save us a lot of time. So those are all things that it can be very exciting in a new show. It can be also very terrifying if the ratings aren't great on the show. Like with Gene Wilder, they were kind of okay. So the network would always come in and wanting us to do this, do that, or we tested this, don't do that, do more of that. And so you can't second guess an audience. They're gonna, they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do and they're gonna fall in love with the people and the characters. And, uh, but so many networks get very stuck on why are you telling that story or that doesn't make mm-hmm. sense? And if you love them, you love them. I mean, did the Friends mm-hmm. show make any sense? No, <laughs> but you just like those actors and you and we all, well, I didn't, but most people mm-hmm. fell for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do want to ask, what happened to the Vaz? Do you have any insight on that? Because it came back after she shot it and then it was gone again. Did, did someone steal funny. it? Or, I mean, that always has bothered me. I don't know really? if you have insight. Yes, like where's all this fuss about the vase and then it's gone. I just think it was out of order. Like the episodes are just out of order or something. Maybe, because I do know they did show a lot out of order. So maybe it was shot for good. And, you know, we just saw it in the wrong uh, sequence. And also back then, remember, there wasn't something like the internet where you could just pull up any episode. And there wasn't people, you know, putting on their phones or making clips. So the only time you would see most of the stuff is if it was when it was on the first time or in reruns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and a lot of times, which I hated when we'd be around the room and I would bring up something like that and they'd go, oh, nobody's gonna remember. Well, like right. nobody thought that there's gonna be cons and, and, and TV nerds and people like really analyzing every little thing. They just, and, and I kept saying, but you're not being honest and truthful. Like, you know, people are tuning in for a reason and it wouldn't take that much more energy and then I would always get, oh, Stan, just relax. And you, you're mm-hmm. too serious about this. 
I mean, I'm, I'm like that too. You know, like with my YouTube videos, I'll reference something from 10 years ago. I'm like, no one knows. No one's going to remember, but I know. And just in case, right. there is that one person I needed to match up. So they should have listened to you, uh, definitely. And I feel like the first season, as far as the set goes, they were changing stuff every other episode before it got to mm. its like official, this is it. Maybe they were trying to figure something out. In the uh, pilot, it looked like hoarders. I don't know what was going on in Blanche's house. <laughs> uh, but... Maybe uh, that was Coco's stuff and he took it with him. Um, speaking <laughs> of which, do you uh, regret that they got rid of Coco or do you feel like it needed to happen? I I don't regret it. He needed to go just because when they saw Estelle and Sophia, um, they realized that was their fourth person. They did need another character. I wish they would have dealt with him in a real way, like either bring him back for another episode or say he get another job somewhere or something. But just uh -huh. to like, have them just disappear and like, not a word. I don't like things like that. Again, I just like be honest with people. And, and that would be, and it's an interesting character. Like who, and he was a great actor. Why not bring him back with something? I mean, um, I'm sure we must've pitched stories of, and they were like, nope, he's gone. Get him out, mm -hmm. don't talk yeah. about him ever again. Well, just forget he ever existed. were there stories that you wanted to tell specifically that you didn't get a chance to or things that had you stayed longer, you would have wanted the characters to do? I'm sure a million I do. You'll see in the book, I, I found a list of some pitches that we had. So uh, you'll, you'll you can give those. us one, can't you? Your your uh, old pals, Barrett and Kate. I do remember. Well, it's just a joke. I, I, I did tell this at the con is that I wanted to do a joke about Betty White's hair looking like George Washington. <laughs> it was very Everyone presidential. in the room, because like it doesn't move, but it's that, it literally, she would look like that if you look from the back. Um, and they thought it was too mean and she wouldn't like it. Oh, but they can mm. drag I B. Know, Arthur to hell. We can talk about yeah, everything else. <laughs> they can say how ugly Dorothy is, but uh, that would be- Right. And Blanche's big uh -huh. butt and all of that. Which she didn't even have a big butt. They yeah. were all shapely, actually. Underneath the large clothes that they wore. <laughs> oh, the multi-layers. Isn't that crazy? In, in Miami, they were wearing all that clothes. Yeah, and all the layers. Even when they Miami. would say, oh, it's the heat wave. Like in the pilot, I think Dorothy says, uh, I'm going to sit where it's 106 and eat enchiladas. And she's wearing, like, multiple layers yet again. Maybe the AC system was really good. Probably some boots. Yeah, the winter boots, which yeah. I don't know what that's about. It's hard to find a slouch boot in a men's... Uh, 12 when you want to dress up like Dorothy. Some of those outfits, I just go like, oh my gosh. And of course that wedding dress. The toilet Carol. paper. Horrible. Horrible. Um, mm -hmm. Blanche's was much better. Um, what what was the reasoning behind starting the show with the main character getting married and then he's a bigamist? Like, that's a very odd pilot. I feel like they do have weddings a lot, like in Friends, but this was an interesting way to start. Um, I mean, I wasn't there for that. Uh, that was all Susan Harris. I think it was a good way to have the, you know, and that, that story has been done a lot. I don't know before, but definitely after of when your friends know something that you don't know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you tell them, well, they think that you're just jealous. And it, it was a good way to uh, have a Blanche lead story, but all the other characters had a, a, a very difficult moral decision of what to do. True. Um, so it was a good uh, way to and show. Then, who they and are. then you're you're questioning the whole setup of like, will they have a place to live? Even though we all know at the end, of course they're gonna all live mm -hmm. there. I mean, then what would happen if oh, oh no, she's getting married? You know, right. so that's what you. That's a difficult part about when you come up with the pilot story. 
is to make it believable when you know this, you know, you have to come up with a conflict that seems real and that actually could go the other way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like season one had a lot of uh, serious moments. I think it balanced drama and comedy a lot. And then towards the end, as with most shows, it got very self-referential and sillier. I personally kind of like that. But um, just for shows in general, and of course the Golden Girls, do you prefer when they stay more grounded? Are you okay with them getting silly after a couple of years? I'm not a silly person. I mean, what I liked about Roseanne was that the tags, which are the little pieces you do at the end of the show, uh-huh. that's when we really got silly. I mean, it'd be like, you can do any crazy shit you wanted to do. Um, but the, the show was very, very real. I, I, I personally think that's your best place for comedy is based on something real. And, and they mm-hmm. told us, don't write it like a special episode of Facts of Life make we want all these episodes to feel like they're coming from real issues and stuff that women really dealt with and so it was really about going out listening and you know talking to my mother and my grandmother and you know then writing things down and then like, what are you what are you writing down like don't worry and then uh mm-hmm. you know they would often see it later on on the tv show well, with uh, Roseanne, I, I didn't like the last season. I don't like it that silly. But, you know, Sophia jumping off of a roof, that, that I'll allow. Um, oh, or right. in a mammy costume. Um, so, you know, there's a line. But um, uh, The lottery, that whole thing. It just, it took away what was so special about the show, I think. You know, but there was no, you know, she got to a point where no one was saying no to her. I got to get to that point. Um, <laughs> with, I think Kay at that point with you right now. <laughs> True. Um, and with it being so serious, like the first time I watched The Heart Attack, I think I thought, oh, are they really going to kill her? Like it kind of seemed like they were. Was that a point that they wanted to get across to the audience that she might, might real, really die? Or was that not thought those, of? Those are the reality of the situations. I mean, when you're that age, things really happen, you know, and dealing with like AIDS or, um, you know, relatives that are gay or d- different issues um mm-hmm. that's what people were dealing so you with. wanted to scare us a little bit and think sophia no not that scaring <laughs> it's 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 you know taking to the edge and finding the humor and finding your way back i mean my father used to say i looked at life through rose-colored glasses and i guess i just i i i do look at the the joy of things and not you know glass half full and oh woe is me it, mm-hmm. it was kind of uh now that I think about it, a lot of serious stuff. Virginia's kidney, uh, David, who apparently his mother was a teen mom, if he's 15 and Blanche is like 50. But mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of those back to back, but it still wasn't preachy. It wasn't, you know, over the top. And, you know, just thinking. The end of the day talking. had to be really, really, really fun. Right. And, that's what the and, it, and it's a good balance. It has to be funny, 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 but not jokes just for jokes' sake, jokes coming from character and mm. hearing each one of their points of view, even the fact like with the gay, the lesbian thing, to spin that and have Blanche be hurt that it wasn't her. I mean, that's a brilliant way to not tie, be it, in. That, tie it in and her point of view, but yet it's so Blanche. It's so yeah. perfect. And yet you're going, that's a great way to tell that story. She could have been shocked and horrible and it's disgusting, but no, she wanted to be liked, you know? And I think things like that are just, that was really smart. And, yeah. I, and I think after the first season, it would be maybe 
one or two serious episodes but the first season it's like serious 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 and i didn't really think about it until we started talking that that is kind of how it was which could have been interesting to see it continue in that way um you know in a dramedy almost but you know but you never felt it was a dramedy right you didn't. it was laugh out loud funny and then right back to something serious and then another big laugh which is hard to do you know as i'm sure you let know me tell you, let me tell you there are some long nights there that you know and when you have actors of that caliber you don't just like go home at 10 o'clock and go oh, it'll be okay right you, because you could not let them see just anything mediocre. We had to give them the best. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk how B was like, you know, who are these young kids writing for me? You know, meaning me huh. and Jim. Um, that, you know, when they got the script, you know, late at night, thrown at their door, because it was not email to be sending it. Right. A really, like, solid, funny, funny script. Well, um, did any of the girls ever refuse to do any of the jokes or anything that you wrote? Never. You know, so unusual because every so almost every show I've been on, you know, I mean, I guess I still have some PTSD from Roseanne (laughs) (laughs) throwing things out that uh, then they were just so they were glad to be working on such a show like this with their co-stars and they knew that they saw how hard we were working and god bless them in every single interview they brought up the writing and you just you don't see that on shows and we knew that and we appreciated that yeah they i feel like every time you've ever seen them they say oh it's the writing it's not us it's the writing and you really don't see that most actors are like yeah i know i'm pretty great aren't i so and interestingly when we went to go for the roseanne job what is the one thing that they said to us There'll be no padding on the back here. And we were like, that's okay. We want the job, you know? And then, but you know what? You need that. And I learned yeah. that. So like when I went on Rita Rocks and running the show, cause it was our show, it's so important to always say thank you. I mean, in any mm-hmm. job, you have people working with you. You want people to come to work excited about work. Not like, oh God, or fuck my right. you know? Um, so it's just a different mentality and you can, you can tell, and that's just amazing about Roseanne that we still manage great scripts. Um, but then you had great actors like John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it, it does show because even at Golden Con, I'm expecting all these Hollywood types like, "Don't look at me, don't talk to me," and everybody's just super. You know, Everybody was cool. great. They're just glad to, to be in the mix, and I think it's kind of spilled over over the years that that's that they're like the ones that started this mentality and this vibe and it just passed through the cast and the crew. And... Well, no. No? I wouldn't do that, no. I mean, the producers were not nice to me and Jim and I, that was on one of the panels when I, I, for the first time I got to ask Marsha Posner Williams. They never gave us, you know how they have director's chairs with everyone's name on mm-hmm. the back? Mm-hmm. Every writer, not me and Jim. Oh, that's not oh, nice. hell no. It's like, um, so, and they made a stand. Not even that we didn't have a chair with our name on it. We didn't have a chair to sit on. Like, give us one. Wow. To, uh, give me Beatrice Arthur's chair, I'll take. No, we had wow. to stand. I mean, like, my, really? You're going to make me stand for, like, three hours of this? Um, and she said something like, ah, you were just a staff writer. You were, like, you know, the lowest <laughs> on the totem pole. I'm like, so what? I mean, you're part mm-hmm. of the team. I put in just as many hours right. that, that the other writers did. Like, just... Can you imagine how one little thing like that, how much money could it have been to make a chair? 
when mm-hmm. they were like gazillionaires that we would go like, oh, I love being here. I'm, I'm feel valued. And um, I, that's what's still so amazing that we could get so much good work and not, and not feel that way. Then. Well, that's unfortunate, yeah. but I'll say a good chunk of people have a very good vibe about uh, well, working everybody on else down below. Yeah. And I think the actors are so excited, especially when you get to like, you know, Lenny Green and all those actors that started coming in, they were mm-hmm. coming in when the show was at the top. So can mm-hmm. you imagine as a, an actor starting out, you're like, holy moly, I'm playing B. Arthur as a mm-hmm. young woman. Or they knew when you got a guest spot on that show, you were going to get funny, funny, funny lines. And you were working opposite legends. So right. I think you got really good people in all and the directors are really sweet and when they came on set all the actors were really nice so a lot of people didn't know the dysfunction that was happening behind the scenes in season one for for Mm -hmm. us sounds like our job um (laughs) (laughs) i i wonder how would you have ended the show had you been there season seven would you have married dorothy off to some random uncle we've never heard of and had them buy a hotel right no, I probably would have pitched um, that they get a new roommate and stayed in the house. And That's that what I been, said. I think that would have been more interesting or bring a, yeah, an, another woman and, you know. I mean, Designing Women did it like eight times and I, I yeah. liked all of the people they brought in, so. I mean, at least I would have said, just let's write an episode with that and let's see what, you know, as an episode, what it worked. Maybe it would be like a really annoying uh, new roommate. Um, I should have brought back Coco. <laughs> there you go. That would have been a good ending. Well, yeah. I feel like when uh, they had um, True become Debbie Reynolds, that that should have been the finale. She should have just married I Stan and then Truby could have stayed. Or even um, Greta Wagner. Somebody could have come. There they could have been, had a few there people. There were so many actors that could have done it. Um, that, that was really chancy to go do a whole new environment. Yeah, um, I like it just because I love everything Golden Girls, but it makes no sense. It, uh, I don't like all. the show. Wow, <laughs> wow. I told you I didn't like it. You haven't seen all of it yet. I've seen enough, and from what I've seen, it's, I'm, it's, it's okay. Wow. wow. Well, but I won't be like, oh, let's go. Well, Don Cheadle's not going to come on the show now, thanks to you. Don, I loved you in Crash, Don. I haven't <laughs> seen that. I only uh, watch things written by Stan Zimmerman, clearly. There you um, go. <laughs> um, I, I do have one uh, last question. I don't want to keep you forever. I'm sure you have many important things to do. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm curious. I like eat, like, eat dinner, yeah. yeah I haven't Me eaten too. either. I was like, Same. well, I'll eat later. Me too. Um, I was far too busy uh, preparing for this. Uh, I'm curious, with uh, the uh, Dorothy bashing, as they say, was it a conscious decision to just start ragging on P. Arthur's looks, or did it just go with one joke and then another joke and then just got out of hand? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad about that. Um, and But, like, one time we did it, she made the joke. Uh, like, when she says, no, it was, it was before I had the hump on my back. Yes, that one. That was our line. <coughs> her being empowered by it because she's saying that rather than it gets awkward to me when other people say mm-hmm. it like like Sophia says it about her um and that must have been hard for her to take um I'd have to relook at the scripts like if we really did that it doesn't feel like it's my sensibility to just be like ah you're ugly or you're that. like <laughs> I don't that's not my style at all um but 
I'd, I'd have to, you probably know better than I would. I, uh, I think she wasn't, I think she was more empowered. She was more like Maude in the pilot. Um, she like uh, came in going off about her students, you know, shooting the school up, which now probably wouldn't be as appropriate. But um, I feel like over time they kind of beat her down. And there's times where she doesn't even say anything back. She's just like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's sad. Um, I mean, about her looks. Yeah, well, a, a couple of them, she doesn't even do that. She's just like shrugs it off like, eh, I'm used to it. Um, and allegedly that's part of why she left the show. Uh, I mean, it is funny, but, you know, like they say, it's about her. It's not really about right. Dorothy because she does look like that. And I think it's kind of unfortunate. But, of course, you're looking at it from, you know, 2022 lenses because she also was uh, date raped by Stanley. So, you know, you got to you gotta look at things. And our <laughs> point of, like, when we did the hump on the back, it was more, actually, my grandmother had, like, a slight hump. So it came from real story. And it, it was more about, like, I'm getting older. Like, look at me getting older. Not like, oh, I'm ugly or mm-hmm. man or whatever it was, or facial hair. I don't know. You're like, I, I hope we didn't do those kind of things. Um, season, season one? I don't I don't think so. That That's when it got a little sillier when they got into that stuff. It was still more of the uh, serious. Even her voice seemed deeper. Like, everything was just so serious in the first season the makeup was darker and then it kind of turned around in the uh, season finale with the improvised Betty White story about the herring where Rue and B just broke character. I've made it my mission to search for that in every single tweet I respond with my evidence that that is not the case. I don't know why I care so much but no maybe that's when we did we connect over that. Are you the one that posted the script? And you were saying no, these I, are the got, I started with like, guys, just stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was there. They never did that. And then Isabel, I think, saw something I did. And then people started sending things in. And people were like, you know, what do you know? Well, it's always <laughs> funny when people go like, what do you know? And then they go. And then someone says, because uh, he was there. <laughs> and, then, right. and, and then they start arguing about me. And I'm like going, oh, I got to just step away from this. Um, and my point is. Isn't it great? It's a celebration of the women that they made it look like it was improvised, but it was no. And don't take away from the time we spent crafting these lines that we argue over every comma and period and Mm -hmm. uh, everything. So the story about where the herring jumped out of the cannon. Yeah, that's what Dorothy said. Circus. Um, ever, yeah. I can't imagine B. Arthur would have taken too kindly to a whole made-up story while they're recording, um, but it, it was believable that they were laughing, but it was scripted. So that just shows how great they are, that you think that they're breaking character when they're still in character. And for anyone that questions who you are, they can ask me. I even have something I took. At the end of Golden Kind, they were going through stuff. I was just like, hey, can I have this? Can I have that? And there's something what with your name saying? on it. I think you what? What is it? Something he stole. I, I asked. Stole I would have taken it anyway. They were handing them out, I think, to people to get your autograph. And it has, like, your oh, name yeah, and picture. With, so it's not that? signed because I didn't even know about any of this. But I have it, it and it has your picture. So you're up here on the special roll with Rue McClenahan's book. Show, show me the, you have my picture. Is, it? is your picture on it? Am I a liar or is it just your name? My name. Oh, it's just your name. Why is your picture not on it? I don't know. But I have it yeah. in plastic, so next time I'll, that I'll have it. That was my sign. line, right? Um, yes, it says, no, uh, this is strictly off the record, but Dirk's nearly five years younger than I am in what Blanche? Mm-hmm. Dog years. Blanche, dog years. Um, <laughs> but um, I do appreciate you taking the time with us. Oh, I just, I just, 
adored you from the minute I met you all. And um, I just love what you're doing. And thank, thank you. you so much. It was so cool meeting you in person. And I, I look forward to many more cons together. Nice. Well, thank you okay. for joining. Have a joining. great night. I and will see you We too. always say, get better, get better. thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Bye. Bye. For more information on our podcast, head over to www.sogoodwenamedit.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SoGoodWeNamedIt. And check out our Facebook page, So Good We Named It Golden Girls Golden Palace Podcast, and our Facebook group with the same name. And to find out about the next Golden Con, go to thankyouforbeingafan.com and join the mailing list. And as always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. Not of just course, invite us to LA. You're gonna be hiring us to be in something, so yeah, invite us know, to LA. We're putting that in the in the universe. Put it. Well, get it. Start writing. Up top. Well, if I write <laughs> something, maybe you'll have time to give your thoughts, and I'll uh, send it there, over to you. There you, there you um, go. And I I would appreciate that. And if if you can't get something made, I don't know what hope there is for me. But somebody out there, if you're listening, make the uh the Brady Bunch show. Make Brady the, ladies and silver foxes. silver foxes. Yeah. And um cool. also uh Peter Rock's reboot. And the Coco show. And I'll play Coco since unfortunately he's no longer with us. I will play the part and Kay, I don't know. Maybe they need a janitor or something. But don't anyway, do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you okay. do you act. First of all, I went to school for acting. Did you? Have we talked about yes. this on the show? And I yes, we did. I always forget that show. I knew that. Wow. I've been in theater my whole life. First of you all, you were in a few of my videos, so. I was in several plays. Okay. Several Broadway shows. Well, I, I stand Broadway really yeah, well. well. I stand corrected. I'm not Broadway. I made that up <laughs> still. But several maybe plays. you'll let me direct you in a play one day. Absolutely. I want to come to a theater in Chicago. It's a great theater. Move to town. Chicago. Hire mm-hmm. us. We'll quit our jobs. No, we'll go on leave. Medical leave. There you go. go Medical, leave. right, exactly. Okay, well, you I'm heard it here leave. first, folks. And if Stan Zimmerman listens to this show then what the hell are you doing with your life if you're not? <laughs> Thank you again, and everybody go follow him, start some petitions, do some crowdfunding on his behalf, wanna, get these wanna, shows made. 